Oh, that was Ray Bryant uh, with and his trio with Gotta Move On, Gotta Travel On, I should say. This is Lead Stories. I'm Eutrice Lead, and I'm glad you can join me again for Lead Stories. Um, Ray Bryant, by the way, is on piano. Ike Isaacs is on bass. And Charles Specks Bright on drums. Uh, Ray Bryant was a jazz pianist and composer and arranger and had been performing since the 1940s all the way through the 2000s or the 2000s, if I should say that way. He died on June the 2nd, 2011 in New York City. He was 79 years old. All right, so what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we're going to be talking about a couple of things. Let me get my notes here in front of me. Um, And we're going to, I'm going to ask you some questions today. And now I'm trying to find out where are they. I have about four different notebooks here. And they are, I have to find the pages. Well, first up, we should talk about what is going on across the sea with all this war still very much in everybody's uh, faces. What is going on there? Can you figure that out? What is going on? And how did it, how did it just burst open in front of our eyes like that? And it's being conducted in a way that is most unusual for for wars, I think. But what? How do you read it? How do you read this war that is going on? And what is the ultimate aim? Do you think? Like all wars, everybody wants to win. They have a reason to conduct war because they want to, they have ultimate plans, which of course they wouldn't share with everybody. And winning is most important. You have to win this war. The question is, is this kind of war winnable? And in any event, does the winning supersede other priorities? Okay, so we have, let's say we have someone who wins in this country, I mean, in this, in this war, they win the war. Okay, now what? What does winning mean? Do you have any idea what winning means? 888-874-4888. Let's first deal with that. What does winning this war mean? Who will win? What will they win? What will be the cost? 
888-874-4888. I'm waiting to hear from you. Uh, I want us to move a little faster today because I have some other questions I want you to ponder and share your views about. 888-874-4888. What does winning this war mean? What will be gained? Who will gain it? And how far does it go in promoting whatever it is they stand for? And do we know what it is they stand for? Do we know what the ultimate aim is in winning this war? Could you answer that question? 888-874-4888. I'm here listening, waiting for your call. And uh, I also have, I must let you know, I'm having technical problems myself. Uh, there's a lot of construction going on here, and we are very adversely affected. Things get interrupted, and I don't know sometimes how to fix things once they uh, go wacky. Uh, sorry about that, but I have no control over that. Ed from Queens, you're on the air. Hello, Ed. Hello. Are you there? Yes, Hello. I'm hearing you, but very, mm-hmm. very, very low. Is that better? Yes, a little better. I'm trying. <laughs> you constantly have these technical difficulties. Maybe the devil's men are out to get you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, in this part of Florida, it has been a case that I've had a history uh, being assaulted by its, its, uh, its uh, electronic capabilities. It's been terrible, but it's getting better, supposedly, they tell me. <laughs> Well, I know that you've had several issues with construction and things of that nature. I don't know. I hope they're not. I hope you're not being targeted by. <laughs> no, like I'm not being targeted. But it's just it's just <laughs> so annoying because apart yeah. from everything else, it's very slow to be yeah. fixed. It's very slow on the comeback when things go wrong. Well, mm-hmm. good to hear you. What is your answer to that question? Uh, well, I mean, uh, you have to look at this from a basically from a geopolitical standpoint. Uh, I believe that victory in this war, if you want to call it that, 
would be positioning for the for the future as far as as far as Russia is concerned global geoglobal positioning in, in respects to how it interacts with the rest of Europe the existence of NATO whether it's allowed to advance and and uh, mutate from what it was to what it is now because I believe after the Cold War quite frankly NATO was uh, was was unnecessary so uh, I think it's an organization trying to justify its existence like America is trying to justify its existence through military presence and, uh, and continental domination. So I think on, on Putin's side, it would be to establish Russia, to establish Russia to the point to where they, they're still a global power. They still have some uh, global influence. And I think it's a performance for President Ping of China to show that Russia is an able ally in the up-and-coming shift, I believe, in geopolitical power, which is going to go towards China by the year 2050, in my personal opinion. So I think on Putin's side, that would be a victory if he could establish that, uh, if he could control the Donbass region, which is what he wants to do, which is what his, allegedly, what his initial foray was about because he was protecting Russian nationals in the Donbass region that were being pogromed by the, the by the Ukrainian government and their Nazi uh, sub, their Nazi counterparts and uh, if he can establish that I think that uh, he's got to win he can he can halt NATO's advance on his borders as far as NATO and the West I, including America, would be a win. Would be to, uh, well, I think Biden said it. You know, what you call, what you want to call it, a, a slip of the tongue or a Freudian slip or just an out-and-out admission regime change to topple Putin, to force the oligarchs in this country to force him out of office and to destabilize Russia to the point to where it can become a satellite of NATO. And, and uh, upon in the... Uh, in Western Europe. I mean, because there are a lot of strange things going on with this war. For one thing, you know, if, if my country's at war, I don't have time to make a, 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 a plea announcement at the Grammy Awards. I mean, come on. Your country's at war, your people are being, your people are dying, and you got time to talk at the Grammys? I mean, to, to me, that's not, uh, that's not the sign of a, of a qualified leader, number one. Number two, there are still gas lines that are bringing natural gas out of Russia Going through the, going through Ukraine to deliver it to the West, uh, Western to the Western Europe, and no, and there's no stopping that. Ukrainians not stopping that gas from flowing. Uh, they're claiming that it's it's a, it's a strategic move because they don't want to they don't want to have Russian bombing all different parts of Ukraine. But if you're at war with another country, why you want to steal out that country to make money through your country? So there's a lot of strange things going on here on the. I listen to different news sources. I listen to Al Jazeera because I try to get on the internet. I listen to Hong Kong news. And and there's a totally different perspective from reporters as far as what's going on, these uh, alleged war atrocities or war crimes. Some of them might even be committed by the Ukrainians against other Ukrainians because if if you were paying attention in 2014 in Odessa, uh, the the Ukrainian army killed uh, around a hundred protesters, 
and they were of Russian art. They were of Russian uh, nationals that were in Ukraine, and they were protesting the, the the Nazi part of the Ukrainian government, and they were killed. They were clubbed to death. They were locked inside a... They, they were baited to come to a town hall in Odessa. The, the building was surrounded. The doors were locked. The Ukrainian army poured gasoline around the building, set it on fire. And when the people tried to escape, they killed them with clubs So because uh, they didn't want to waste bullets. So there's a lot of things that are going on on this picture. Everybody's got a dirty shirt, and I don't trust anything. I think it's a, this war is being driven by propaganda. I think this war is being driven by by, by lies, which most wars are. And I think that uh, that uh, the, 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 the main goal of this is, uh, is who's going to be on top in the next 50 years if the planet lasts that long, which is another story entirely. Is this a war, does this, is there anything about this war that strikes you as, well, you've said quite a few of them, but what in particular strikes you as strange? Especially of Western media. I mean, I've never, I haven't trusted the media for, for years. I've always looked at it with a, with a, with a third eye. But I mean, the, the absolute un- the, the absolute unbiased approach to news, the way it's being reported, how how the Ukrainian people are being pictured, how the publicity is being driven, especially on Facebook, especially on Twitter. I mean, they even had a meeting with Facebook and Twitter personalities as to how to present this war. I, it, it, it doesn't have the urgency of, of what I would, well, I mean, traditional conflict. It doesn't have the reportage of traditional conflict. And, and the complete shutting down of any opposing view, of any different view, of, 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 any, uh, of any pro-Russian uh, uh, anything. Uh, the, what they did with the RTV, what they did with Chris Hedges. I mean, it, every, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie, The Tale That Wagged the Dog. This is similar. This is a media-friendly war. This is, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's boxed, it's packaged like a product and being sold to the people. Well, thank you. You made quite a few very important points. Um, I kind of resent it because <laughs> you leave me with so much less to say. Well, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I'm, no, but I'm very, sorry, very, but... very good points. It's very, very uh, insightful because there are lots of things that are going on with this war that should trouble everybody. It, it's just not in the normal stream of things that we are accustomed to in terms of the coverage of wars. And... We don't know, and this we can't see the end game here. Who has what in mind to accomplish, and how are they going about it? Thank you, Ed. Excellent analysis. Thank you so much for contributing today. Mitch from New York, you're on the air. Hello, Mitch. Okay. Which is not there. G7 from Connecticut. Peace and blessing, goddess. It's been a long time. How are you in the family? I'm hanging in, and so is my family. Thank you for asking. 
Okay, okay. To the family of, of the audience, I think the war has been won. The war has been won. And you're asking why, what's the outcome? The outcome is a financial reset of America, United States of America, losing the position of the dollar being the reserve currency. We know what happened uh, years ago with any time anyone goes against America, Iran, Libya, the sanctions, right, hurts them. So for the last 20 years, it's something that's called BRIC, Brazil, India, Russia, China, South Africa. They've been buying all gold, so much gold to replace the dollar. So, right, you know, during every nation in, in history, you have a certain time for your money to be the reserve currency. So America just can't come out and say, guess what? Our time is over because there's a world government, okay, that puts Biden, puts Obama, puts everybody in place. So a perfect scenario, right? You have Russia going to Ukraine. America takes them off with sanctions that you cannot buy oil, you cannot buy anything, right, using the American dollar. So what happens is that Russia, India, China, they already set it up that, guess what, we're going to back each other with digital currency, right, backed by gold. So America knows their time is up. So all this is being orchestrated, right, by the world power, those that control the, the world economic, because people say world power who? The World Economic Forum, the ones that say uh, Klaus, uh, uh, the guy Klaus that says you own nothing and be happy. So this is a perfect excuse that everybody goes against China. I mean, everybody I, goes I, against I'm Russia. Trying to follow you. I'm, I'm trying to follow you, but I, I have to confess I'm quite puzzled as to where you're going. Okay. What is what the end game here? in this war what do you replace, see as the end game to replace the dollar and to have china and russia lead the new financial reset and like biden said get ready for the for this winter we're going to go full it's going to be full shortages so they're already hooking up everybody psychologically that america's time to, to shine is over there's going to be mass hunger the United States of America, just like when we go to the store right now, how, how expensive things are. So it's a financial reset. And, of course, they're going to use crypto to well, follow. Everybody's talking and, about a reset, and I, I would strongly urge you to find a new word because it's been said so often that it's lost its meaning. But I'm giving you an example uh, by telling you that China and Russia, right? Right now, Russia is saying the world, Europe, and everybody has to buy their oil in rubles. No more dollars. Saudi Arabia, according to, to reports, are even refusing to take phone calls from Washington because of the pressure of, of China. So when we say reset, we're looking at what's happening. This is not just idle words. We're looking at what's going on. Remember, when the war started, the ruble lost 99% of its value. Guess what? Less than a month later, the ruble now has regained all, everything it lost, right? It has regained. And now Russia said as of uh, uh, April Fool's Day, the first, every European nation that's unfriendly has to pay in rubles. And they're going to have to convert that into gold to buy rubles. So what I'm saying is that when you say the financial reset, I know that's a play of words, but guess what? It's here, and it's happening in front of our eyes. All we have to do is go to the store. 
That's what I'm saying. So this war is already okay, over. Uh, so how then, with this word, I'm going to uh, uh, intone it myself, with this reset, <laughs> how does this help reshape the world powers and who is going to be leading which country is going to lead okay what does that well what would that right. mean for americans okay what it means for americans for, okay well, who's going to lead right first of all china and also russia in the world economic form okay all this is the middle class, right, is being decimated, right, right now. And this is for us, to, to, for America, just to lose the power of, a, of the living standards that we're used to. Okay, everything is, gonna, is costing more and more and more. So the East is going to rise and the West is going to go down. Okay, so this is what's happening. We're just going to be, you know, we have to work harder. We have to work longer. And they already got it set up for robotics and, you know, and, you know, I, uh, I, IG and everything else to replace us and replace our jobs. So this, this is it's almost like just wicked people are just planning for the destruction, right, of, of the middle class all over the world. You know, so this is just uh, it's just evil, evil scientists, man. That's just planning the destruction. And now is America's turn to see hunger. Is like this the inflicted? Your, is this your unique analysis, or is this something you're getting from somewhere? Well, I'm getting it from from books like non call non dare call it a conspiracy that was written like thirty forty years ago. I'm getting it from just looking at you know I'm listening to you <laughs> a lot, seeing your analysis, seeing how things don't add up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we sometimes we have to think outside the box, and we look. And I'm looking at this from the history of America, what we've done, and what I don't say what we, but what they have done to the world in general to to rob the resources, to take away everybody else's democracy as we preach democracy. So we're looking at this from just me being a senior citizen and looking at life, okay? And everybody gets a turn to rule economically. And now it's time for America to lose the reserve the currency and what happens is the cost of living and everything else our living standard is going to go down and they use this ukraine war so everybody can get be a, against russia right cut off their financial financial things and what did they do they're telling you guess what you want my oil and which europe wants and needs it right and all the fertilizers and everything and everything that comes out of ukraine and that part i mean if that freezes we we i mean if that's cut off we starve so you know in the next couple of weeks right they're going to have probably a peace talk everything's going to be good all the sanctions are going to be off and now we're going to have what? Remember, Biden said three weeks ago, he had a news conference, and he said emergency, that America has to deal with what? With digital currency. And he basically said, get ready for the reset. I mean, think about this. When was the last time you ever heard the president talk about some cryptocurrency and has an emergency meeting? And he said, come up with a plan in 90 days. We're being set up, okay? We're being set up to get onto where this cryptocurrency comes, they don't like us. They can cut us off, but they can cut us off now, right? <laughs> With our charge card and our telephone, right? So the end result is the 
one more time, the reset. In other words, Americans, the standing and living is going down, and we're going to be more and more in control, under okay. control. It's a very scary um a very scary picture that you paint for us today, but it's a contribution that we should put in the hat and consider. Thank you so much. And, okay, and one last thing about me. Yes. If I may, remember during the, the, the Olympics, okay, when, when uh, Russia went to China, they signed, I think it was a 5,000-word pack, right, that said that they will come to each other's defense no matter what. So next, let's get ready for Hong Kong. I mean, this is this is this is set, and this is why we see what we have. An American dollar has to be replaced, and China is rising. And this is why the president said, "Be ready for shortages in the winter." Love you, and it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. I'm so honored to be able to talk to your audience. Because let me tell you something: the people that be calling in, well, I'll be learning so much. So thank you, audience. Thank you very much for calling in and contributing today. Marcus from Wisconsin, you're on the air. Thank you very much, you trees. Uh, your your last gentleman uh, speaking, uh, I think, in many ways has it uh, has it accurately. The, a, a lot of this is the the previous world wars were about market market reorganization. This was the ultimate purpose. Of these wars, uh, World War One. Uh, you know, all you have to do is go back and look at the history all through Europe in that period. Food riots were common by 1915, and I mean they were going on in the heart of Vienna by by 1916. And it was clear if you look at the writings of the official leadership in Austria-Hungary and all throughout Europe, that if we don't have a general conflict in Europe, the only alternative is going to be civil war. So, I mean, there were massive general strikes going on. It, it, it's the same with World War II. This was market reorganization. So the important lesson to remember is, is Trotsky's rule that whatever you allow your militaries to do in foreign countries, they will eventually do to you. And the results of all wars are always the same, as anybody who looks at it even casually can discover in, in the modern world war. Uh, unpayable debts, ruined investments, you know, complete disorganization of the financial system, the collapse of the money system, most of foreign trade disappears. And if for those populations that are smart, usually revolution from below. So this is about a reorganization of the world financial system. Now, everybody is everybody is agreed on the general form of what has to come, the technocracy that has to come. What's, what's in dispute here is who, whose uh, variation on the model will be put in charge. The BRIC countries, 
model, which is more labor-intensive. They have more land mass, more people. The Anglo-Saxon world wants to go right to the digital currency. You will notice uh, the U.K. and uh, Zelensky in Ukraine during supposedly this terrible war they're having, have announced they're going to a digital currency. Now, doesn't that seem surprising to anyone? No, because the media's job is to make you think, to to get you to focus on nonsense, as everybody knows, and insignificant factors um, uh, uh, connected to what's actually taking place. This is not traditional good guy, bad guy, uh, 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 a fight that way. It's not a contest. It's not adversarial that way. It's It's an internal dispute among people who want to commandeer the new paradigm that's being brought in. Now, I mean, all you have to do is read the straight business press, Newsweek or the Wall Street Journal or Barron's or Business Week or any of them. And they they discuss this openly and have been for a long, long time. Of course, they're all for it. They think it's great and Forbes thinks it's inevitable and it's the best for everybody. Of course, they're going to couch it in that rhetoric. You know, for for me, any world development, if if I may, you you have to judge on, you have to ask yourself questions when you're making judgments about any political event. And to me, what what I'm after is the overthrow of the rich deciding how the world has to live. That's that's what I'm for. That's my political purpose. There's no party or institution or organization or government that advocates for this. So whenever something is happening, the the first question I ask myself is, does, does this event display a trend that is toward the revolution I want for people, that's going to allow them to live lives they have control over, or is it reactionary? Is it good for the rich? That, 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 that's the first question I ask if I'm judging it. Uh, then I have to take into consideration what, what's going to be the perception of these events by the unpolitical class, the, the people who are subjected to the propaganda. Right? And how do they feel about the presentation of any kind of uh, alternative to this, which is what I've spent most of my life doing. And, of course, every development is contradictory. It has elements that favor revolution and change and others that reinforce the fascism that the rich want. So you have to understand the contradictions. There, there are progressive forward forces in, at work in any of these events and retrograde, retrogressive forces that are, that are at work. So you have to remember basic rules, like the, the economy exists for the sake of human needs 
not the other way around. Human needs don't exist for the sake of the economy. That's fascist. And so that's the only way media will ever present these events. Is it, is it good for the economy? And they'll pre- pretend that if it's good for the economy, it's good for you. And, of course, any of the figureheads they throw out there to be authorities on anything, whether political or uh, journalistic or anything else, the, the number one rule is you always have to picture them in their underwear, not as authorities. <laughs> They're just people who are manipulable, corruptible people. I didn't people. expect that. I really did not expect that. <laughs> well, uh, but it's the truth. These, these are just stooges like every, all the rest of us. You know? If you're looking at you. Burger King, you do what you're told or you're fired. It's, it's no different than the highest in, levels in of this, government. In this space that we're in, yeah. How do you characterize it? I mean, you've given us a theoretical outlay, but what is the nature? What is this space that we are occupying now? How do you categorize it, and and where is it leading? Well, I I mean, you can categorize it any number of ways, depending on your vantage point. But to me, the ultimate categorization is, is it, does it work for the master or does it help free the slave? It's that simple. It really is. Because if you don't have control over your life, you are a slave, no matter how you want to, how you want to spin it, how you want to dress it up. This is a, this has been for ten thousand years a society of masters and slaves. I don't want masters and I don't want slaves. That's it. I mean, you can dress it up. That the whole purpose of politics is to make you blind to the obvious realities of your life. Do, do you have control over your life or don't you? And the answer is, of course you don't. Why should the World Economic Forum and the, and the global banking system decide what your life is going to be like and then marshal you to go fight wars and sacrifice your children to go fight wars to bring these things about because they want it? Why should you do it? What's the point? The point is you're only reinforcing your slavery. You're, you're volunteering yourself to be a slave to them. And to me, this has always been the ultimate categorization. That's it. That's well, the category so to me that matters. Let me ask you then. If yeah. the choice is, and if the struggle is between master and slave, and mm-hmm. we don't want to be either of those, what right. then is the alternative? What is it that you are looking for? Ah, now that's an entirely different discussion, isn't it? What, now that begins the discussion of, hey, uh, what do we think a free world would look like? What would, it, what would be its characteristics? 
what would be our daily experience if we actually lived in something like a free society? How would it look? What, what would be in place? We have to decide that. The, the entire political and uh, master-slave system has convinced you you're not fit to figure out what a world like that would look like. You can't do it. They have to do it for you. That's the problem, you see. <laughs> that, the, that discussion should be had after we get rid of our masters. We could, we could figure it out fairly easily, but as long as masters are controlling your daily life, you can't even have the discussion. It's, it's just, it's a Lord of the Rings, you know? Well, no, I will tell you, from, from the, the, the view of, I mean, if you listen to, just listen to the voices so far, yeah. You can tell that people have given a great deal of thought to this mm -hmm. and haven't been able to vocalize it and put it in in terms that other people could understand quite easily. But I dare say that you managed to do that today. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank and you very much. Continue this discussion because I think there's more to be harvested uh, from what it is you offered today. And we should continue the discussion on that line. Thank you so much. Uh, and for the little humor too, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Liz from New York, you're on the air. Where you come from? Uh, Hi, uh, I, uh, I thought, was his name Mitch from Missouri or Michigan? That gave this fantastic talk. Is that, is that the person who gave this fantastic talk of, uh, to to no, to her back? Marcus from Wisconsin. Marcus from Wisconsin or Marcus? Yes. Could you well, turn how, how, off? how do we turn it down or off because it's interfering? Okay. How does one get in touch with him? I need to ask him some questions. I, I don't do that. I I can't say how to get in touch with him. Um, it's just a matter of listening to the program, but I I do not uh, I do not pass people's numbers and information along to other people. Okay. Okay, I guess it's okay. 888-874-4888. I am so, I'm so, uh, what's the word? I'm so hopped up about where this conversation is going. I didn't expect it to take so deep a turn, you know. Uh, but this happens, and it's great when it happens, because you're getting a new perspective, a very different perspective that encourages you to think, which is a victory in and of itself. People are not encouraged to think. And what should we be thinking? You see, sometimes we think, but we think 
we are even given the the the, the instructions of how to think or what to think, but they're not generated by us. So when a question or questions arise that uh, allow you, you really doing organic thinking, this is your own thoughts, and you flesh them out, and you start examining for contradictions even, It's still your original thought, and that's a victory, a big victory in thinking for yourself. 888-874-4888, as we close in on the end of the program today, we still have lots of room for your calls about this war. What is it about? What is it supposed to cause us to think? And as you can tell, many people are thinking, but at a whole different level. So far, what we've heard from the callers, you would not hear generally in the course of public discussion and debate. There's no room for this kind of talk. (laughs) It is very strongly discouraged. So... It is a good sign that people are thinking independently. And don't worry about, well, their thoughts are so far away from, you know, we're talking about war. Country A wants to fight country B. But why? We can discuss all of that as if we have it clear in our heads what is going on. Of course, there's a lot of fighting going on, a lot of dying, a lot of killing. But we have no reasoning. We we can't hang our hats, really, on what is informing this war. We, we, We don't seem to know. And that's what was that's what was so remarkable about the offerings we've had so far today. And that's what we ought to encourage people to think. Some of it may be borrowed. Some of it may be uh, actually taught in school. I don't know. But the fact is that it is not normal thinking. Normal thinking at a time like this is dangerous because it means that you are taking all of your cues, you have taken all of your cues from the information that is widely disseminated so that we come as close as possible to the narrative they want to disseminate. We all kind of see it the same way. We're not going to have any problems We're not going to be asking any tough questions. Uh, So you see, it is a wonderful thing just to open up the lines and let people talk. Because the chances are they have something very important to offer. If only we take the time to listen. And then afterwards, 
we listen to it again in our heads. And we decide, well, I never thought about that point. I never thought, I never saw this this way. And now I have to see the other dimensions that begin to unfold the deeper we go. 888-874-4888. We're closing in. This is your time to call and get in before we say goodbye for today. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm very excited by the caliber of thought that we've been offered here today. And at no cost. We don't have to pay for this. <laughs> but we will possibly pay a price for not listening. 888-874-4888. We can continue with this, or I can introduce something. I have several questions here. And one of them concerns the... the, as, uh, As we approach... As this nation approaches the appointment of a new justice of the Supreme Court, uh, that is Katanji Brown Jackson, we're hearing some very interesting things come up. And that is that there's this paucity, there's this shortage of blacks in the, 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 the court system. All of a sudden, we told about this shortage. Just about the time that they're examining uh, who the next uh, U.S. Supreme Court justice will be, I want you to just keep something in mind. Who's responsible? If there is a shortage, who or what is responsible for the shortage of people of color in the justice system. They will have us believe it's (laughs) the, the, the judge's fault. Who or what is responsible, you think, for the shortage of justices or judges of color in the legal system, in the court system? seems to me they first created it because that was the law of the land. There was no equality in employment. You know how many people who were very well qualified who were passed over. It happened at the law school stage. Who gets into law school? Who doesn't? Who passes exams and who doesn't? They create the shortage, is what I'm saying, first of all, for decades and decades, so that the shortage begins to represent the the mindset on the outside. It is a white country. Blacks, first of all, uh, people of color generally, did not have the intelligence to go to law school and pass the the exams and so forth. That was a popular belief, popular thinking. 
there were so many restrictions. People couldn't get into law school. So how are they supposed to graduate from law school? And then when the problem becomes evident, as it is now, they start singing a different kind of song, almost to the point of suggesting that if blacks and people of color generally are a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They were a little bit more determined to get through law school, maybe things would have changed. Maybe the numbers would be different about graduation and so forth, and we would have a larger pool from which to uh, choose from. This is a kind of stupid, asinine thinking that has operated for years. Blame the people for this racist system uh, that would not allow them to go to law school or they had to find law schools that could accept them, but by the time many people uh, found out which law school they could go to, it, th th there was no room. Finding all kinds of ways to exclude people of color from going to law school and qualifying. And now they actually, without shame, are saying that there is a shortage of judges, blacks and Latinos particularly, people of color generally in the legal system. So, and this became noticeable. This is, is now noticeable because Katanji Brown Jackson is being considered for a place on the U.S. Supreme Court. You see how it, it, they, they, there's always an explanation, and they've had nothing to do with it. They're, they have nothing to do with the creation of an apartheid system in this country. But they feel perfectly, it's perfectly logical to raise a question about the shortage of black and Latino judges. You see? It's madness. But this country has been mad for a long time. Thanks, everyone, for contributing today. Let's get back to each other again tomorrow and do some more talking. Thank you. Bye-bye.